What's up, everything? Hockey is almost back, and we're ready to talk about it. Today, we'll be previewing the Central and Eastern Divisions in our annual division previews. Plus, the Blues have signed Mike Hoffman, which certainly makes them a different team. But is that difference good, or is it more like when the producers of that 70s show tried to replace Lori Foreman and hoped we wouldn't notice? We'll have to sit in the basement and try to find out, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys Point Cup podcast. It is currently Tuesday, December 29th, a chilly, chilly evening in St. Louis, the greater St. Louis area, the GSTA, as they call it. Uh, Ian, I went for a walk this afternoon because I have been really, um, I can't think of the word. Stagnant. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, you know, I've got a stagnant job at the computer and I just wanted to get some stretch, Mm -hmm. tight muscles, but that's not the word I wanted. We've already failed. The episode (laughs) is dead. But anyway, I wanted to get some, stretch my legs a little bit. And I walked about 10 feet and I was like, this is a mistake. I shouldn't be doing (laughs) this. And I walked the shortest loop around back to my house that I could possibly conceive of and uh, call it a day. That's how cold it is. Ian, how are you doing on this chilly evening? I'm, I'm doing very well. Uh, yeah, it's way too cold out. Um, I feel bad because I went to school for four years in Minnesota and it didn't harden me. It made me realize mm-hmm. how much I hate the cold. <laughs> and, Do they have uh, underground tunnels in Minnesota school? They do. They have underground, underground tunnels um, at the U of M. That's too cool. They have even more. They have like, so there's a network of them, but you can't get to literally every single building that way. Uh-huh. Most of them, but not every single building. I believe in Duluth, which is even further north than the Twin Cities, you can literally never walk outside on their campus. That's awesome. I don't know why, but I'm obsessed with that. Uh, that is a cool thing. Uh, yeah, going um, to Kirksville, which was also colder than here, although obviously not the Twin Cities, didn't make me any stronger, didn't make me any harder. The difference, I've, the, the more adult I am, I'm recognizing though the difference between even the tiniest bit of wind and like just a still night is, mm-hmm. is incredible. Because I walked last night, even way later than I walked today, and it was probably technically colder than it was today but it was still and I was able to walk as long as I wanted to pretty much and then today it was probably like five miles per hour wind and I was like nope can't do it (laughs) so that's how cold works ladies and gentlemen (laughs) write to us in the mailbag about your other random topics you'd like us to discuss and how we're talking about entropy um it was good they were good I spent my time down in uh Fort Hood Texas next to some town called Colleen which is like small by Texas standards, but probably large by any other state <laughs> standards. Like I'm sure it's like over a hundred thousand people, but it's like, oh, it's a tiny town. Um, it was nice. It was nice weather out, a lot warmer. Got to play like some sand volleyball outside. Uh, you know, can't, can't normally do that in December. <laughs> Your classic Christmas tradition. Yeah, of sand classic. Volleyball. There's something, um, 
I don't think I'd like to spend all of my Christmases like in the future in like a warm climate because I do like having the possibility of like a white Christmas or mm-hmm. cold weather and everything. But well, there's... we never have that up here any freaking way. Yeah, I know. So, Isn't that so sad? It's always brown in, uh, in St. Louis. But um, there's something kind of like fun and cute about like looking at a house that has the look of like a south- southwestern region house and is uh-huh. brown and dead bushes in front of it and stuff but it has yeah. like christmas lights on it and like yeah. candy canes everywhere and i'm like this is kind of fun because it's like that. it's yeah. kind of a big f you to like nature <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know it's christmas here too i uh, don't know if you made it that far by listening to the old episodes but i closed one of our episodes last week with uh, something about christmas time in texas for you mm-hmm. so you know actually it felt it felt i, I kind of liked it to be honest <laughs> it felt right um yeah, it was uh, a good Christmas for me, too. Got a Ryan O'Reilly jersey, which is, uh, I haven't had one of the new fancy, you know, Adidas-style jerseys, mm-hmm. so that's been... What that was, was your cool. last jersey, Brodeur? It was Martin Brodeur, <laughs> of course, Blues legend. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so, you know, it's they're very similar, but uh, this yeah. one has the cool inner collar and the slightly different... Uh, the numbers are different, the white numbers, but mm-hmm. uh, I like it. It was good. Got to, got to cook a lot. It was a lot of fun. We're back. Um, what did we cover while you were away that you might want to comment on? O'Reilly's officially the captain now, mm-hmm. much like uh, the guy in Captain Phillips. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about uh, that news there? That news that yeah. was coming for months. If uh, if O'Reilly, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. I'm totally fine with that. It makes the most sense to me of anything. Um, I think you mentioned it on the sort of solo podcast that, you know, maybe O'Reilly's gone in whatever two years, you know, that's a possibility, Mm -hmm. but you just kind of have to pick the guy that's your captain now, you know, you Mm -hmm. could pick Braden Shen for the long run, but it's like, you just want to pick the dude that's best for the job currently. And that's definitely O'Reilly. Sounds like he's a leader in the locker room, but also sounds like he leads by example. I saw a couple of people saying, oh, you know, he lost his love of the game however long ago. And is that really what, you, you know, do you really want your captain being that sort of guy? I'm like, yeah, I kind of do want my captain to be transparent as hell. I don't know. I like that. Um, I like that in a player. It's one of those things where I know on the business end of things, you might be like, well, that's not, that doesn't look good for business. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. understood. But from like a fan perspective, I'm like, go for it. You're not going to tear the blues down if you were to tell me you lost your love of the game because the you know because the blues sucked or whatever or anything like that. You're not going to make me not be a fan of the team, you know, yeah. forever. In fact, I'm probably going to agree with you. Yeah, this team blows. I yeah, don't think I, mean, I, I don't think anyone in Buffalo. That's what blows me away. People are like I can't believe O'Reilly said that stuff. No one in Buffalo was disagreeing with this. Man. Nobody was like, what? How could you say that? And I was like, yeah. they're like, yeah, dude, this team sucks. Um, <laughs> So that has always been like a null. That's always been a moo point uh, to me. But as, yeah, like a cow's opinion. But as yeah. we both know, that story ended happily ever after for both sides. Yeah. Talk about but, um, Iran. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm totally fine with being captain. And then there's like, I guess I'm giving it some sort of um, light to this non-news story. But then there was like a little story that broke where it was like Tarasenko says he's you know not happy that he wasn't named the captain and if you read everything he's basically like i would like to be the captain someday it's like good cool i'm mm-hmm. glad you're passionate would like to be the captain i'd hate it if you said i, I don't never want to be the captain it's just, it was such a clickbaity looking story and people yeah. were trying i don't think it ever really took off but people were trying to make it take off like 
oh, I don't know. What's he feel like? And it's like, I don't care. And I don't think but, he really well, yeah, cares that also, much. Like Bernie Federko had to deal with not being the captain for 10 years because Brian Sutter was already the captain. So it's like, it's one, it's one person on the team. He gets a, he's an alternate captain, right? He was one of the four, whatever that got named for like alternate captaincy, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it's just like, I don't know. You don't need, you don't need the letter to lead. And we've talked about that like a lot. So well, and just, also he's currently hurt and yeah. his future is in a little question right now. Fun, fun, whatever. If, it, if, is O'Reilly going to be here longer than Vladimir Tarasenko? Maybe not longer in tenure, but past whatever, 2020. I mean, their contracts currently end on the same date. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I would be a lot quicker right now to give O'Reilly an eight year extension than I would be to give Tarasenko. I'll say that much. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'd, O'Reilly actually, you know, probably still wouldn't give it to O'Reilly because he's older now and he signed <laughs> kind of a bridge deal. Um, before this one but like you know I'd be I'd be happy to sign him well into 35 or 36 because he mm-hmm. is the guy that seems like he'll age gracefully and takes really good care of himself whereas Tarasenko with that shoulder listen I hope Tarasenko comes back and he's exactly the guy he was and we can re-sign him and he can hit 400 goals here or maybe even 500 and be the man again but it's just like there's a lot of questions now and I think that's that kind of story where it's like they would have blown that up into an honest-to-God controversy in Toronto, but it's probably not that at all, you know, and it's it sucks. I mean, O'Reilly comes in, you feel like you've been here. I get why that would create a little frustration, but at the same time, you know, deal with it, and it's not that big a deal. So um, I feel like, is that it? I mean, we talked uh, about Steen retiring on one of the episodes together. I think... The one thing that might not have been touched on, even on your solo episode, I think, because it might have happened after, um, was the release of the schedule. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we talked, I felt like I talked about that at some point, but I did want you to talk about it because of, uh, because I thought you had a pretty interesting take on it. So why don't you take it away? Yeah, so like I was really intrigued by the schedule because they talked a lot um, leading up to it about how it's going to be kind of more like baseball where you're playing series or, you know, two, three game series against teams, um, you know, in their stadium and your stadium. And so you're going to be able to see teams a lot more often, A, because you're only playing within your division, but B, because you're playing three games against San Jose and then three games against LA or whatever. And I'm just really intrigued what that's going to do for the players, but also what it's going to do for like coaches and stuff, because this is like, you're essentially playing a long form playoff series at this point, you know, you're playing, I forget what we're playing, seven games, no, eight games. We're playing eight games again against each of these seven teams mm-hmm. in our division. Um, and towards the end of this uh, season, I think we play four in a row against Minnesota and like, that's bonkers, but it's, I'm really interested because like you play two games against Minnesota, you play them really well. Um, you gotta expect Minnesota to adjust, you know, and make some adjustments, you know, switch some people in and out from taxi squad perhaps, or scratches, and then they play a different game. And then, you you know, Craig Ruby and, uh, staff have to adjust and it'll just be interesting to see the same team over and over again. At first I thought it'd be kind of boring, but now I'm like really interested because it's just sort of like, I don't know. I think maybe you could get on rolls against teams. I mean, imagine rolling a team 
like just yeah. three in a row. And that's, and you know, it's going to happen in certain divisions for sure. Like, you know, like Detroit's just going to have <laughs> play uh, Tampa and just get rolled like three times in a row. And they're like, there's nothing we could have done. Um, it'll be so sad, but yeah, I'm really interested. It seems like they're spaced out pretty well. Just looking at it right here. It seems like we don't have too many breaks. We do have some weird, like, what is that Sunday through Thursday? So five days in March that we don't have games. And then two weeks later, the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. But then we have back-to-backs on like the Friday and Saturday. So yeah, there's, there's a little bit of weirdness, but I'm interested. I'm interested to see how we adapt to playing some of these teams over and over again. And then I'm even more interested uh, come next season when we play Chicago randomly one game. And I'm like, wow, I forgot about you. It's weird yeah. to see taking some of these notes earlier today looking at Dallas, looking at Chicago, seeing what um, is going on with their teams this offseason and be like, oh, yeah, 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 I wonder how we'll be when we play them and thinking, oh, no, we don't play them at all. And be like, this is going to be weird to look at those teams and they might as well be Eastern Conference teams, you know, because it's just like, oh, we just don't play. They're like yep. a whole different area. It's, it's kind of crazy. But it's, I mean, it's even worse than that because it's like, you know, you in a normal season, we'd play East, even the Eastern Conference twice. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's cool. I think it, it'll be hopefully cool to see some of those rivalries develop. You could see us kind of developing a real rivalry with, rivalry with Vegas, given the uh, Petrangelo stuff. And, um, oh, you know, eight, eight games. Yeah. And plus, you know, a very likely possible playoff series. Um, I'm not, I hear, I will say this. I'm not going to tolerate any of this blues Twitter nonsense. I've seen where it's like, oh, they're just my second team with a lot of people that just like the Vegas golden Knights and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, but now they've like stolen our captain and our division rival. So maybe give that up this year. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, uh, I feel like it'll be interesting to see, uh, that development. It'll be interesting to see kind of on a longer timeline, you know, the, the Coyotes kind of owned us last year. Is that going to still be true? Which of these teams is going to be like an unexpected thorn in our side? Which of these teams are we going to maybe have an unexpected advantage against or an unexpected rivalry with? You know, we kind of hate San Jose anyway, so that seems pretty natural. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be different. You know, I think everything this year, you're just going to have to take it with a grain of salt and roll with the punches and kind of try and, and – do with it what you will because it is what it is and and like we've said multiple times we're all just really trying to get to the next start of the next season in october 2021 um so that we can really have actual hockey back with full buildings and everything else again so that is the news that we had not covered or hadn't gotten to cover together before the big new news for the st louis blues which was fun to say um, is that Mike Hoffman has signed uh, or will be signing a, a PTO, a professional tryout. A lot of initial confusion, including for myself, I won't dodge that bullet, uh, about why he signed a, a PTO, but it was uh, very quickly clarified by Jeremy Rutherford that it appears what the Blues are doing is waiting until the start of the season to sign Hoffman, which would allow them to wait to put Tarasenko and Steen on LTIR, allowing them to maximize that money. This points to Hoffman joining the Blues. So uh, Hoffman will join the team for training camp beginning on January 3rd at Centene Community Ice Center. A training camp PTO allows the player to participate in all training camp activities, but does not create any, any exclusive rights of negotiation. 
Hoffman will remain able to sign a contract with any NHL team while the PTO is affected. The PTO expires at the end of training camp. Um, and as you point out here, Hoffman is most likely to sign a goal, sign a one-year contract with the Blues somewhere between three point five to four point five million dollars. Um, I was I talked last time about Hoffman, um, and uh, you know my kind of personal feeling that I'm not wild about signing him. And I will, you know, I'm not, I'm not totally dropping that. And I have some questions, but I'm a little more excited than I had been digging deeper into the numbers and just exactly how, how good he actually is on the power play and how wicked his shot does look and seeing a lot more footage of him. Ian, what are your initial responses and, and thoughts about this move? And, you know, it feels like a thing that a lot of people wanted and maybe one of those kind of Armstrong things where it's like, man, it feels like this is just going to happen eventually. And now it has, how are you feeling about the, uh, the Hoffman signing? Yeah, it definitely did seem inevitable, sort of, kind of, because it mm-hmm. just seemed like in the days leading up, it seemed like there was a lot of talk about like, Oh, blues are in the mix. And we hear that about a lot. A lot. Actually, I don't know if you hear about a lot of different players. I think, if someone will say the blues should be in the mix and then you'll hear Strickland or Rutherford be like, I'm not hearing that. And then you're like, okay, so they're not, but to actually hear Rutherford and Strickland actually go out and say, Oh yeah, he's still out there. And the blues are talking with them was like, Oh, okay. So this is like legit, but um, I'm happy to have them. I think I'm with you. I was sort of like here and there with it a little bit because I think the one negative to this um, is that it kind of clogs up space for younger guys to try out for the blues if you will if we're thinking of anyone in particular it's like kairu um mm-hmm. but it does slot like samford down to the third line which i like a lot better it puts blade down the third line which i like a lot better my hope is that my i don't hope anyone gets injured but i hope that they give kairu plenty of time between those two guys uh to replace uh-huh. them and go in the lineup you know blade gets injured fairly uh, often so maybe he slots in there um, but overall I guess for the team I do like the Hoffman signing because yeah I didn't realize I knew he was like a big goal scorer I didn't realize for the last like four seasons or five seasons he'd scored like 30 plus goals so like that's a big get just because we only have Tarasenko who's like a 30 goal scorer we had Alexander Steen who did it a couple times uh, and then obviously wasn't doing it anymore and he's retired too and so this was like this is a big get offensively um, for the Blues. His even strike numbers are not great, we'll say. Um, mm-hmm. But his power play numbers can't be denied. And it's the same old, same old of a power play goal counts just as much as a, a uh, five-on-five goal, too. It's interesting, I think, overall. It's an interesting signing. I don't think it hurts the blues. I think overall it helps them. I just don't think it helps them maybe say as much as everyone's thinking. A lot of people see 30 goals and they just do plus 30 goals to the blues mm-hmm. essentially. And they go, and that's a net and that's it. There's no negatives to this. And no, I'm so like, wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's like, again, yeah, it's the clogging up um, the top six, I guess a little bit for not being I think we talked about this last time um, how we kind of or I sort of wanted to be able to see us sort of just go screw it let's just try our young guys and see what we got um, I'm hoping some of that still happens in the bottom six um, but overall I think it makes the team fun 
Mm-hmm. I think I've texted this to you earlier. I don't know if we win a playoff round, but I think this will be a very fun Blues team, regular season team. I mean, and you mentioned this too um, to me, but like we've definitely shifted from a sort of two-way grinding in your face um, defense, defense focused team that won a cup two years ago uh, to a team that is a lot speedier, a lot more offensive focused, definitely not as much as I'm sure they'll try to play defense, not as uh, defensively proficient. I don't think uh, we'll see, but also a team that should be like, just like deadly on the power play. Um, I really hope, I really hope they focus on that because it seems like you have all of the assets to be like top five power play, no issue. And I would be, if you're top 10 cool beans, if you're not, if you're like middle of the pack, this is like something's like something's wrong. Like you've uh-huh. got Tory Crew, you got Justin Fogg, you've got Mike Hoffman, you have all these guys. Ryan O'Reilly uh, to win the face off. Yeah, Vince Dunn, who I'm assuming is going to sign. Uh, you just got like it's insanity. It's absolute insanity <laughs> on the power play. Um, and yeah. I look forward to that. I look forward to a fun power play. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, uh, I think overall it's a good. I'm interested to see how it works out over the course of the whole season. Yeah, let's talk about in. I feel like you covered a lot there, so let's talk about every aspect of that um, kind of a little more. I, mm-hmm. I'm looking at this lineup with Kyrou not in it. And I'm just going back to that quote that we talked about at some length earlier this offseason where Armstrong said, you know, my hope for Kyrou is that he's just a guy that's in the lineup every night and I don't have to ask Ruby about that. And it's just understood that, you know, maybe he misses a shift here or there and there's some, you know, even a game or two as a lesson, but it's not something where I'm seeing him miss a bunch of games consecutively. Could you see him trading one of Sanford or Blay and because I, th- I think that does a couple of things for us. It gets value for a guy that I think, you know, either one of those guys, I feel like Seattle would be pretty happy to take in an expansion draft. They're young guys who they can kind of control their contract. Um, you know, we're missing a second round pick next year, which I don't know that either of those guys alone gets you, but um, I think, you know, Armstrong will be pretty cognizant about, do you think, I'm being a little crazy there. It just when I when I saw the lineup with Hoffman and without Cairo, of course, JR could be wrong, but I don't think he is wrong. And you know, Samford and Boy have earned everyday NHL roles. I'm just kind of curious, like I if if Cairo doesn't have an everyday NHL role this year, I really don't know what we're doing with him or for him. And I'm kind of curious your thoughts starting there on like, do you think that's a possibility that we see kind of one of those army trades? Because those dudes do, you know, I like both Samford and Boy, but they do feel a little bit redundant, kind of, you know, not not quite super young anymore, potential 20 goal scorers, but haven't put it all together. Um, what's your thought on that? Or am I kind of barking up a tree and, and you think that's kind of crazy? Which is no, okay, I mean, you're allowed to say that. <laughs> I mean, you always want... You always want depth. They always know you always want to have depth. And so having Kairou um, or Blay or Samford as a scratch or sitting on the taxi squad or something like that wouldn't hurt because you want to be able to have um, that depth 
but it does kind of feel like a three-headed beast now where like all three of those guys none of those guys should be on like the fourth line you could toss a blay on there i suppose because he's the more physical of the three and mm-hmm. fits a fourth line a little bit better but it doesn't feel like that's his position yeah. um or should be as a young guy that they constantly talk about as having some offensive upside so and you don't put Sanford down there as much as they have in the past and you don't put Kyrie there because he doesn't fit there. So you have these two spots, these two winger spots on uh, either side of Bozak that need to be filled and are filled, but you have three people to fill them. And it does feel like if they're not going to give, I don't know. I, to me, I would move one of Sanford or Blay and put Kyrie in there. And I know Kyrie is still a little bit unproven. I understand like he hasn't played like an entire full 80 something game, you know, 82 game season up here. But at the same time, it feels like if you're going to trade somebody, you could trade Blair Sanford because you know, I, I feel like you know what you have in them. Like yeah. people have kind of argued for it's both. It's almost games. like by not knowing exactly what you have in them at this point, you kind of know what you have. Yeah. Like, it feels like there's still some mystery there, but the mystery is like they're pretty mediocre. I mean, not mediocre, they're both solid players, but they're not going to be, you know, freaking, um, you know, I don't know what's his name in, in Boston, uh, Brad Marchand probably yeah. where they like break out at 27. You know, they are what they are at this point. Like Zach Sanford is 26. Blay mm-hmm. is 24. Kyra is 22. I mean, if you really think you don't have a lot in Cairo and obviously they know better than we do, like I, you can trade him. It just seems like you're probably not going to get a lot for him just because he's, he's not necessarily – at a huge, you know, at a very low stock, but his stock can't be that high because you haven't really played him all that much. Yeah. Um, whereas you could at least point, to, I think who you get the most for is probably Zach Sanford. Like, yeah, play, well, you're probably going to get that much for. And if you want to move somebody and, and say, hey, this dude had four goals one game <laughs> and, and they got almost 20 goals last season, um, that'd be Zach Sanford. I can't say I'd be too heartbroken if they trade either play or. Samford, and even if they traded Kyrie, I wouldn't be destroyed. I just kind of, I said, I think I talked to you about this earlier, but like, I feel like if we traded Kyrie, um, he'd be on, I don't know, Anaheim, and he'd look really good in Anaheim. And you'd be like, mm-hmm. man, why'd we do that? <laughs> like, he wouldn't be like lighting up the world, but you know, he'd be like a, you know, this season, he'd be like a, I don't know, we have 56 games, guy. 20. Yeah, it'd be like a 22 point player this season. And then the next season, he'd be like, oh, we got like, you know, 38 points. I'm like, well, shit, that's better than Sanford's ever done. You're like, why'd we do yeah. this? Um, I just, I kind of want to. I think you're I mean, right, though. I think one of them, I think one of those three gets moved, though, this year. I I, I do wonder, too, because, like, I, there was that comment about Dunn expects to be in training camp. I don't think his contract's going to be extremely hard to sign. It's just kind of finding the money mm-hmm. where it is. And, you know, I think it comes in somewhere in that two to three million dollar deal, but like you look at Dunn, you look at Perunovic, you look at Scandella and Krug and Mikola and Gunnarsson and Bortuzzo, and then you look at the three guys we're just talking about. It feels like we've got about 10 people for about five spots. And some of those guys, you know, Gunnarsson and, and Bortuzzo are more toss-ins. You could get rid of any of those guys. But I just, as we talk through some of these teams, there's going to be a lot of guy, a lot of teams with, you know, kind of RFA question marks that are still out there and 
teams that, you know, have added a lot, but have some kind of mismatch pieces on their team. And I just kind of wonder, I could, I could really see Armstrong doing that kind of unexpected trade this year where he kind of packages two or three guys and gets a piece he really thinks fits long-term here, you know, and maybe kind of scratches someone else's back with uh, helping an RFA that they can't sign and we get rid of, you know, Dunn, which I don't necessarily want. I would love us to keep Dunn, but I don't think we're going to give him top four minutes anytime soon. So I'm a little torn there. Um, I don't know. It could be that I'm totally making it up and nothing happens, but I still, I, I do get the feeling that because of the weirdness of this year, there will still be a lot of kind of, action before the season and yeah. we're talking about close to the start of the season action doug doug armstrong is often involved in that so i don't it'll just be interesting i don't know i think i could totally see them going in with this lineup and i would not be upset with it and then if you have kind of done and i don't know um i guess gunnerson is like your third pairing you know that's a pretty solid team uh but um, it's, it's just interesting to me. I, I would like a spot for Cairo. And if you can, if you can do a thing where you add a player that really makes sense to your top six, um, or even your top nine that really fits there and you can kind of, or, you know, a really good pick or something, and you can kind of shed some excess mass elsewhere. I, it does kind of make some sense to me, but Let's talk about that last thing before we move on that you mentioned. This is something I'm really kind of beating the drum on, and you mentioned it too. Um, it does feel like this team is massively different, not just in that there are different faces here, but kind of in, in team composition, to borrow a phrase from the Overwatch world. It feels <laughs> like, you know, we were, we were very uh, tanky, and now we've transition to a very divey team those that that follow the analogy it it feels to me like we have in in every decision it's not just like we it's not like we have made a, a bunch of moves in a bunch of directions and kind of ended up in a slightly different place it feels like really every decision whether some of them were intended to be decisions or not has brought us to a place where we are a very different team you let Petrangelo go and you bring in Justin Falk. Justin Falk, you know, even, even if he hadn't slumped last year, it's no secret that compared to Petrangelo, Justin Falk is a much more offensive defenseman, much more reliant on the power play, uh, this, that, and the other thing. Um, you, you know, in that same kind of vein, Petrangelo walks, Tory Krug comes in. That's the same thing. Tory Krug's very offensive. Uh Colton Pareko is, you know, more defensive than either of those guys, but um, not necessarily the defensive stalwart in my mind that uh, Petrangelo is when Bo Meester is not around. Uh, Scandella is, you know, more of that one-way player defensively, but still, you know, is a, a different look on the team. And then you bring in a Hoffman who is a very one-way player. I mean, extraordinarily, we, we shared a tweet of his, I don't think this is technically a hero chart, it's, but it's one of those kind of bar graphs that you see on uh, Evolving Hockey, uh, which is a great site. Uh, go subscribe to them if you have five bucks a month to spare and want to nerd out over statistics. Um, but, you know, it's just a, a Z-score thing and, and everything he does is – somewhat to significantly negative on uh, 
even strength and, you know, massively positive on the power play. And that's, uh, you know, that's not great. It's, it's great in the power play, but it's not, it doesn't fit um, my team. I don't think because, uh, or it doesn't fit my team. It doesn't fit the blues as much as at least in so far as we've known them to this point. And so my question is, I feel like the personnel of the team has really changed. My concern is, has the mindset of the team really changed? And I'm worried that we're going to go into this season still thinking we're the kind of slow down, shut down blues, maybe recognizing that we're a little bit different, but not really fully embracing like, oh, we're going to have to win a lot of shootouts now and a lot of track meets to use that Ken Hitchcock's favorite term, but not you know, play that kind of defensive style. And I, my worry is if we don't know that right away, we don't have a preseason to figure it out. And so I could just see the team being pretty sloppy early on. Uh, how do you feel about that? Am I being crazy or what do you think? No, I mean, I, I agree. I wonder if Craig Bruby and staff are going to be shoving a bunch of, you know, square pegs and round holes and hoping that we're still the Petrangelo, Bowmeister, uh, blues of the past and just shut down defense. I mean, I'm sure some of the guys we have like Fox, like an all right two-way defenseman. And, you know, just because Krug and Hoffman aren't necessarily, you know, the best of defenses mean that they can't play it at all. And so it's like, okay. And especially when paired with like the right people, if you have Krug with Breko, you've got Hoffman with, um, with O'Reilly and, and Perron, like you might be able to cover some of that up, but yeah, I think to your point, it's, can they do that? And can they also let them be the offensive, you know, I don't know if that's the best word, but like juggernaut that they look like they can be. Um, and I think in, if they let them, I think they'll do really well in this division. Like, I think they do really well, even if they were the old blues team, but like, I'm looking at some of these teams and it's like, you could light up in Arizona. You could light up in LA. You could light up in Anaheim. Like, like these are teams that like, Sure, you can win a grinding like game against because you can just grind the hell out of them. But like, you could really just like overwhelm these teams really yeah. easily. Um, a Vegas and uh, uh, Colorado a little bit harder for sure. I think Colorado has morphed more into um, with some of their acquisitions more of a a blues of the past. That's kind of taken our role, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a little more higher end offense than we had back then, but still with a uh, Devin Taves and. Brandon Saad and stuff, they've kind of moved into more of a, a bit of a two-way game, if you will. Um, but I think against a team like Vegas, even though they have Petrangelo, I think you like that team up too. We've seen it happen before. Um, you know, they're not this impenetrable wall. And I think if we lean into that role, I think we could look really good in this division. Um, mm-hmm. Again, do we have the grit and determination and truculence uh, to – to be able to win a whole series um, in the playoffs. I don't know. I think we still have some of that, but it's, you know, remains to be seen, but I guess it's sort of like we were already kind of writing this season off a bit. And I don't think I saw someone say like, Oh, Mike Hoffman turns this team from a, you know, a playoff contender to like a cup contender. And I was like, Hold the phone, baby. (laughs) Uh, They turn us into a, he turns us from a plus three goal differential to like a plus like 17 goal differential, which is cool. Um, and fun, but I don't know if that wins you the cup. 
Yeah, um, and you know we saw some struggles in the bubble last year with defense and Bennington question marks anyway, and so it just feels like I do think you're right, and I kind of I feel pretty strongly your point about like oh, they're going to be a fun team. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Um, I do kind of wonder maybe 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 it is a little bit short side, you know, short short term view in terms of like well we have this hole now. Tarasenko's hurt. We've got the money to make Hoffman work on a one-year deal. We're not necessarily thinking anything beyond that. They probably aren't for Hoffman in particular. But I think the team transition goes well beyond Hoffman. And it's kind of interesting to me to think about, okay, you know, when we talk about next year, Schwartz is unsigned. Uh, Bozak is is a free agent. You kind of assume he's going to walk. Bennington's a free agent. Um, you know, Steen is totally off the books, not just in an LTIR sense. They've got a lot of money to play with. And so it's kind of interesting to think, okay, do they commit to this new kind of identity and go in that direction and maybe sign, uh, you know, a free agent forward, although there aren't a lot of super interest other than, you know, maybe Taylor Hall, uh, Brendan Saad could be interesting, but like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, a few guys that you might think make a nice addition. Um, or, you know, are they are they kind of stuck in this situation because Hoffman is the guy they could add right now and and do and, and you know, make sense of it. And he was willing to come here because they're a contender. And, you know, in, in another year, they'll try to reestablish that sort of blues identity. I don't know. It'll be interesting. And to your point about Craig Berube and the test this season will have for the coaching staff, I think that's uh, another big test for him is, is how does he handle having a team that's not you know, necessarily built exactly the way he would probably ideally have it built. And how does he handle having players with more speed? Maybe he handles it great. Maybe he, you know, has a lot of fun with it and they have a really strong power play and and we're winning a lot of games five to three instead of three to one or whatever. But, um, you know, I love that. That's fun hockey. That's kind of what you want to watch, but it'll be interesting. And now I've got, you know, now we've got some exciting storylines to watch this year and I'm excited for it. So anything else you want to say about that or the blues before we do our division previews here? Um, no, I think like, I guess, yeah, just to your point, I think they'll just be a really fun team and it does give us a lot to, to talk about mull over. I think we've had a, a lot of turnover obviously uh, last year and especially this year. And so it's just with all, with the pandemic, pushing last season to be extra long it does feel like this really long metamorphosis and we kind of get to see like i'm interested to see the fruits of all this labor um because we haven't had a season we haven't really had a season in like what man like a whole year mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much basically. just had like we've had hockey but we haven't had a season yet um so it'll be interesting to see i'm just happy to have a season of hockey regardless of how long it is or whatever yeah, agreed. I, uh, I'm ready for it. Um, let's go ahead and talk about these here divisions because I think that'll be fun. Uh, you know, in the, in the years past, we've done an episode per division. This year, we, because of the weird timing of everything, got kind of compressed. Um, and so we'll move through these a little bit quicker, but I don't think we'll lose a lot. Uh, we're going to do the Eastern Division today as well as, what is it called, the Central Division? Yeah. Yeah. That's We're fine. not in it, so it feels weird, and it's also not yeah. all that central. It's more they're, like they're, it's more like, like less eastern or the southeastern. <laughs> yeah, the one the one next to the eastern division. Uh, yeah, it just 
the names are fine. I like that they're straightforward. I wish they would have gone with something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. To be fun, lighten it up a bit. Chicago and others. Um, (laughs) You know, you can make an argument for doing Central next week because it's closer to us and uh, more, you know, our old division. But I'll be perfectly honest. The all-Canada division is fun, and it's going to be fun to crap on Canadian teams. So that's why we're saving it. I'm so, so glad they're sealed up by themselves. So when they're angry, they're just like angry at each other and you can I just watch. I can't wait to, for them to finally get to for, literally force a Canadian team into the quarter in the conference final mm-hmm. and then just watch whatever team it is get dirt roaded by the, <laughs> by the uh, lightning or yeah. gold. <laughs> really any team. I mean, can you see any Canadian team beating any of the top teams from the other divisions? I can't. No, not, Certainly not, not two in a row. Yeah, I know. Not as of now. The one thing I was going to say that I'm really interested in is, um, you know, it's top four teams make it from each division. Then after that, obviously you play the other team that made it to the second round in your division. And then once you get to the um, semis for the uh, Stanley cup finals, they, they're going to do that by seeding. Mm-hmm. So you could essentially have like a Western conference, you know, blues could play, um, the Blackhawks or whatever for the cup or like Montreal yeah. could play Toronto for the cup. And I do, I really do hope that we get something like that from yeah. no matter what it is, even if it is just Colorado and Vegas or whatever. But I think that would be so much fun just because it's never going to happen again. So like might mm-hmm. as well happen this year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, yeah. So let's get into this. Let's look at these teams. Uh, oh, the last thing I wanted to say about Canada before we dagger them plenty next week is if, if I have to live to see, especially the Maple Leafs win a cup, I would kind of love for it to be this year, just so I can play the, it's a fake make believe cup that you had to be half handed, you know, game for the rest of my life. So uh, I'll take that if, if it happens, but I don't think the Maple Leafs are even going to sniff the Stanley cup this season. So that's not going to be a problem. Boston Bruins. Let's dig into the Eastern division here. Uh, the cream of the crop last year, 44, 14 and 12. Um, they were the president's trophy winners, right? With a hundred points in yep. the regular season, the shortened, the truncated regular season, you might say a plus 53 goal differential, which is obviously a very good. They were first in the Atlantic, but like the blues struggled in the round Robin and ended up fourth. They beat Carolina in five games. Nonetheless, unlike the blues who were toppled in their uh, first round matchup, but then lost to the ultimate Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay, in five games in the second round. You know the stars in uh, Boston, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, a combined, I can't do math very quickly, but 182 plus 56 would be 238 points. I'm bad at math, uh, but, you know, you can do, it looks like you're calculating something. Um but a lot of points for those three. Tori Krug with 49 and David Krejci with 43. Uh, they did have some fire movement. Joachim Nordstrom, after being devastated by uh, Jordan Plan- Jordan Petrangelo, that was weird, Jordan Bennington's <laughs> outstretched right pad, uh, has departed for Calgary, as has Alexander Petrovich. And uh, Zdeno Chara is question mark retired. He could absolutely sign and just be on the mm-hmm. team before the season. 
I think there's still a lot of uh, kind of question marks about whether that will happen. Tory Krug, obviously the big departure to St. Louis, which still feels weird to say. Uh, Craig Smith was their one big free agent ad. And I think a, a good, a nice under the radar one, just kind of one of those guys that fits right into that sort of Eastern conference powerhouse where he's an, he's an older generic white guy, but he provides a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of kind of that grit and scoring presence and doesn't have much of an identity outside of that. So he's just going to be fine on that team. Yeah. Just like his name. Craig yeah, Smith. Yeah, some exactly. dude. Just some guy. Matt Grizzlick signed a three-year, four-year, 3.687.5 million dollar deal. And um, Jake DeBrusque signed a two-year, 3.675 million dollar extension. Uh, they will both be RFAs at the end of that. No, Grizzlick will not. He will be UFA. Um, what are your thoughts on this team? They're obviously kind of a classic powerhouse of the Eastern Conference. I keep thinking they are going to be old eventually, but they keep not being at <laughs> any point. What do you think about the Bruins? Yeah, I I think this is a good division for them to be in because mm -hmm. you do have there i think it's, it's a little more competitive yeah. yeah it's it's a more competitive division for them like playing toronto's even though they they beat toronto having to play montreal much improved montreal normally um tampa and everything just seems like a very top heavy division that they are normally in in the atlantic but being placed in a division where you got the uh, Capitals and the Penguins and stuff like that were like, these are both good teams, but they're also getting older as well. And it's like, this feels like they fit better in this sort of good, but old uh, division, a little bit of a geriatric division, but um, I'm interested to see how they do because I think you made a point here where it's like, are they going to, you know, when are they going to stop being old and start playing old? Because that does seem to be the case. It's like, I always think they're going to fall off a little bit. And, and they have like spurts of that during the season every year. And I'm like, here we go, here we go, here comes the cliff. And then they're just kind of like, eh, and they scoot around it and then they're still good. And you're like, <laughs> okay, I guess never mind. But because they, that's how it is in the playoffs too. Like they just stomped on the Carolina. Like, I mean, they were yeah. competitive games, but I was like, oh, okay. And then, uh, then they got stomped on by Tampa. And I was like, oh, okay. So is this the other side of the coin? Are you bad now? <laughs> and I don't know. Um, it always be, blows my Sorry, go ahead. I was just, I'll be interested to see if they don't have Chara because, the, I mean, no Krug, no Chara. Seems like, I mean, seems like a no Petrangelo, no Bowmeister situation, oh, you know? And Pasternak is pretty seriously hurt, too, isn't he? He's supposed to miss a, a fair amount of time. Yeah, year, yeah, yeah. I think um, maybe Bergeron's a little up in the air, too. So obviously, if those guys miss, you know, big chunks of time, then they're in trouble. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, they're an interesting team because, like, Pasternak to me always, uh, it feels like a guy who, like, I never believe he's as young as he is, you know, because mm -hmm. he's only 24, and I'm always like, I know he's young, but, like, 26, 27 young, right? But, no, uh, he's, like, gross young. But then even the other guys <laughs> who I think are, like, I think, like, Patrice Bergeron isn't really old, but he's 34, which is really old by hockey standards, you know, and Brad Marchand is 32. So um, let me see. There's an article about here about um, – uh, where those guys are. He says, as you know, we've had a couple of players had some off-season surgeries that they're on track and they're coming back. Cam Neely said uh, they might miss a little time. I don't know. Brad Marchand is maybe ahead. I don't want to say ahead of schedule, but ahead of where Pasternak is. Um, 
it's hard to put a date on those guys. Brad, I know, have, has been on the ice a couple of times, which is a good sign. David recently got back into town and will continue his rehab. So sounds like they'll probably miss a few weeks, but maybe not a big chunk of the season. Yeah, I think with the Bruins, the question is, are they going to be old this year or not? They probably won't be. They seem pretty ageless. Is Tuka Rask going to slide right back in and be fine as the number one? He should be if he doesn't, you know, assuming he doesn't opt out, which I don't think he's going to. Um, and certainly, you know, that story about why he left the bubble is completely understandable. And I'm not asking any questions about that. But with the uh, controversy of a crappy Bostonian fan base and um, the pressure of, of that period, it'll be interesting to see how he performs in what I believe is a, a UFA year for him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's 33, so obviously isn't going to sign some huge long contract, but still might want to perform and try to get that last big deal um and then you know if, if chara comes back or or doesn't that defense without crew gorchar at that point seems a little different i think carlo and john moore and matt Grizzlick are fine but i don't know if that's kind of a top four without those other two guys as much so i think they'll still be good i think they'll still be a playoff team but interesting kind of questions to ask Buffalo Sabres, 68 points last year, minus 22 goal differential, finished fifth in the Atlantic, did not qualify for the qualifying round. One of seven teams that have not and therefore have or about to start their training camps. Um, yeah, it's in December, so next day or two. They lost Michael Froelich. They lost Dominic Cahoon. They lost John Larson or Johan Larson. They lost Wayne Simmons, who they barely ever had. Vladimir Sabotka went back to Europe. Jimmy Vesey went to Toronto. Um, in exchange, they brought in Tobias Ryder, Matt Irwin, Cody Eakin, and, of course, Taylor Hall. Uh, my question about the Buffalo Sabres is, uh, what did this city of Buffalo do to God, to affront God, and when can he just go ahead and turn them into pillars of salt or whatever it is that he wants to do? Because... <laughs> I mean, the 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 Bills are in the playoffs. They're a very good team right now, so good for them. But it just seems like they they did this cool thing where they got Taylor Hall on one, on a one year contract, and then it's like, screw you, you get to be in the Super East and have, <laughs> to me, really no chance of making the playoffs in this division. I mean, I guess they can trade him again, you know, if he waves his. I think he got a no trade clause, but uh, it's just like, man, when is this team ever going to catch a break? Uh, he got a full no move, so, you know, he can't be moved unless he allows them. But, um, you know, you think he might to go to a contender if they really suck. What's, what's your read on the Sabres there? Yeah, it's – I was going to just ask you because I'm not as plugged into football, but I do know I see a lot about the uh, – the, I just want to call them the Chargers. The – does they have a charging bull? Bills. Bills thing. Why is it? Why does that never come to me? Like you know how things are on the tip of your tongue, and you're like, "Oh, the Bills." Yeah, I'm like, "Nope, I would have never guessed Bills." It Uh, is weird that there's a bull and they're the Bills. I don't really get what that's about. I've probably looked it up before, but anyway, yeah, they are. uh, They're like a legit playoff team. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, well, at least they got something going for them. But yeah, Buffalo, man, yeah, I just feel for Taylor Hall. I feel for the whole team because like they signed a one-year deal. And he's not gonna. He's not gonna resign there. Like he's. I can't imagine he stays there. No, we just. I mean, we just looked at that next year's free agency class. He's kind of the cream of the crop as far as that goes. So, yeah, it's. Uh, 
I don't know. It's rough. It's rough times for them. There, there are a couple of teams as we were going through this, and we'll talk about the, another one very shortly. Uh, and that I was kind of like, man, this is just depressing to think about rooting for this team. So mm-hmm. um, I just can't see Buffalo making that division, making it out of that division, um, with with as stacked as it is with the teams that are in there right now. There's only four that get to advance. Um, and there are at least five teams that I would just be shocked for Buffalo to surpass in any way. So <laughs> Buffalo um, really need to be in the uh, in the West. They really need to yeah. be in that Western division. Yeah, they really do. They should have campaigned for that. Gonna, how they were going to pull that off? That they because even really if you they were it. even if they were in the old Atlantic, I mean they were already screwed then. I, but like, yeah, Tampa, Tampa I, Boston, Toronto, a better Montreal, an improving. I feel Ottawa. like if they were in the all Canada division though i would feel like okay this is at least interesting right i know that's not how an all Canada division works i get it but i'm just saying for quality yeah, of teams, pretty close pretty, pretty close, close though now. i gotta just, i'm pretty swim, i'm swarm up that like waterfall 80 percent sure that they do the canadian national anthem before games regardless of who they play i'm like 90 percent sure that's Ooh, true that percentage just went up i believe that that's fair i'm 97 percent sure <laughs> I've seen uh, them do it. <laughs> that's very plausible. Um, they are right there. Uh, yeah, so the New Jersey Devils next alphabetically, not next by quality of team. Well, maybe if you're starting at the same. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was say, I forgot New Jersey was in this division. So you know what, Buffalo, yeah, you're not last. We didn't actually forget them this time. Though. Yeah. Do we have eight teams? Do we have all eight, Ian? I believe so. God, I hope right. so. We better count. We better make sure. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, 28-29 and 12 last year, minus 41. One of the other seven teams that did not qualify for the qualifying round. The only team in the Metro to miss the postseason last year. Kyle Palmieri, 45 points. Nikita Gusev in his first season with the team. And then the NHL, 44 points. Nico Heischer, a little bit of a step back with some injuries, just 36 points. Jesper Bratt and Pavel Zaka, 32 apiece. They sent out Zach McIntyre, I assume, or is it actually Zahn? Man, I don't even know. It could be. <laughs> uh, Julian Melchiori to the KHL, Vojtek Mozik to Europe, Kevin Rooney, Brandon Braddock, Baddock, Baddock, and Dakota Mermis. Ah, uh, Dakota Mermis. I miss Dakota Mermis. Um, <laughs> Who uh, who are any of these people, as you ask uh, so insightfully in those notes? Uh, they traded Ryan Murray from the Columbus Blue Jackets for to the Columbus. They traded a 2021 fifth round pick to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Ryan Murray, which was a very nice little little addition. Uh, and they got Andreas Janssen from Toronto for Joey Anderson, which I also quite like. Corey Crawford is a UFA. Dmitry Kulikov is a UFA. Scott Wedgwood is a UFA. All fine additions. Nick Merkley is an RFA, and Mackenzie Blackwood has come back. Uh, my question, my, I think your biggest question about the Devils in general has to kind of be, is Jack Hughes going to be more Nathan McKinnon or Ryan Nugent Hopkins in terms of, like, is he – have an okay first season but nothing crazy and then he just stays okay but nothing crazy or is he going to have that kind of where he breaks out and just takes a little while longer i'm not totally convinced 
that he's a really top top NHL player. I think he may be a little more Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but it's too soon to tell. Um, I think generally, though, they need that kind of young core of Pavel Zaka, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, you know, to a lesser extent, Will Butcher, Nikita Gusev, uh, Brat, and Nick, and Mackenzie Blackwood, uh, who I think is a great young goalie. Those those need to be the kind of youth that step up and take the next step and redefine this team, uh, or otherwise it's just going to be a long slog to them for them to relevance. Uh, I do think Corey Crawford and Mackenzie Blackwood could be a really nice goal pairing certainly nicer than the team that Corey Crawford left is going to have. Um, so that's a, that's a good move if, if he can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I, another team where it's like, I just, I don't know how they move and shake enough to make it into um, the playoffs from this division. Yeah. I don't think there's any way they see the postseason. And like you said, it's gotta be the young guys doing it because you don't even have that many old guys. They have so many young guys. They don't even have that many old guys. You have Travis Zajac, you have um, Kyle Palmieri, I suppose. And it's like, who else is even on that team? That's like a veteran presence at this point. Like they had Andy Green, but he's, he went to the Islanders and I don't think he's signed anywhere yet. Maybe he comes back, maybe he retires. He's pretty old. Um, you it's, it's a young core and like a young leadership group. And I'll be interested to see what they do with this team. They have a new GM now. Um, We'll see if he makes any decisions or any changes uh, during the season at all. But uh, I'm I'm rooting for him. I root for him, and I feel like every year, even before Jack Hughes, I root for him, and they still weren't that good. So I don't expect a lot from them, but I'm rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. I would love that team to be successful. I don't know why, but I kind of have a soft spot for the New Jersey Devils, especially with their Christmas jerseys now. So, oh, God, um, yes. I hope they find something out, but – uh, I don't. Uh, I don't expect a lot from them, to be perfectly honest. The uh, New York Islanders also um, are in this division. <laughs> <laughs> they were thirty-five, twenty-three, and ten last year. Obviously, made a deep playoff run, beating the Panthers in the qualifying round, the Capitals in the first round, the Flyers in the second round. Uh, and having a six-game series with Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know all about their roster. It's Matthew Barzell, uh, or is it? Um, <laughs> it's Brock Nelson and Anders Lee. It's Josh Bailey. It's Jordan Everly. A bunch of nondescript old middle-aged guys, plus Matthew Barzell. Uh, Devin Taves, Thomas Grice are out. Andy Green is probably retiring, or maybe has just faded to dust at this point. Derek Broussard is unsigned. Christopher Gibson went to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They acquired A.J. Greer from Colorado for uh, Kyle Burroughs, big who cares, and they got uh, Dimitro Timoshov from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for future considerations, Big, relatively big who cares. Um, Austin Zarni, Zarnik, Zarnak, whatever his name is, and Seth Helgeson came in as UFAs. Nobody cares about them either. <laughs> Ryan Pollock, Josh Hosang, and Grant Hutton were all. God, this team's so freaking boring. All right. <laughs> Could I stay awake through an entire Islanders game if you made me? If it if an Islanders game started at eight and you put a pillow under my head, could I stay awake through the whole thing? I do not believe so. And I'm not a guy that falls asleep very easily. 
Um, <laughs> also, are they just not going to sign Matthew Barzell? What's up with that? Ian, fill me in on those details. Yeah, I mean, we're whatever we are. We're, when is the third? Next, wait. Oh, I see. That's December. The Sunday? The Sunday is when training camp starts? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously they have to sign him. I can't, or maybe he pulls a Petro and waits through training camp. But this also doesn't seem like the season to wait through training camp because it's not very long and uh, there's no preseason games. So you kind of just want to be there. Um, they'll do it. But it's it's um, Lou Lamorella, so it only makes sense that it's taking forever because he's just trying to, you know, play hardball with this kid that just wants his money and deserves his money. And they're like, yeah, but you don't really have a two-way game, which I think he kind of does. Uh, and is a fine player, but it's because he's not old already. <laughs> and uh, Lou Amarillo is upset. Why can't you yeah, just be old? It's it's so dumb. I mean, that is the he's the entire team, and it's kind of pissing me off. I kind of hate the Islanders <laughs> because to me, he's not a Matthew Barzell is the one guy you don't fuck around with. You know, right. if, if pardon my language, but like that's the guy you build your entire organization around. He is your only guy who is young and worth having for a decade or more he is your and i'm not even i'm not even really sold that matthew barzell is like the mckinnon level not you know not to keep going to that well but like that level of true number one elite center i'm not even totally convinced of that but you have a whole team of guys john gabriel pajo is 28 you gave him five million dollars a year for six years josh bailey is 31 he's got five million dollars a year for four years andrew ladd is obviously a a bit of a you know contract anomaly and something they'd like to undo but he's 35 5.5 for three years brock nelson is 29 six million for four five years jordan everly is 30 5.5 for four years and anders lee is 37 for six years, all of those dudes are 28 or older, and you had them locked down forever. You've also got like Nick Letty and Ryan Pollock and Thomas Hickey, which no offense to them, but they're nondescript. You've got Simeon Varlamov. Your team is aging and not getting any younger. And I know it's Lee Lamb, and you know he's not getting any younger. But it's just like how how are you effing around Matthew Barzal of all people? And how did they go out and do things like? I think, you know, I guess they're probably waiting to put Boychuk on LTRR since he retired and, and that'll give them the space. But like, I just don't get why that's not a guy that you sign a year out and give the big deal to and just make it work. Give him the deal that doesn't cripple you, but makes him feel rewarded. And that is what it is. And then it's done. And, and there you go. And it's done. And he's yours. But why they are screwing with this i just it doesn't make sense to me honestly and they should definitely stop in my opinion that's mm-hmm. like he's your old team and he's going to be the only person that attracts any sort of free agents to you not that you can really do that with him anyways but without him you most certainly can i just i lou lamorella has made this team like relevant again but not in like a fun way and mm-hmm. I yearn for him to leave um, <laughs> because honestly, if they were like a, just a nasty Buffalo Sabres, you know, part two, I'd be like, well, at least you're fun. At least when I look at the Sabres, I'm like, man, you suck. But like, cool. Or I don't know. I'm just still interested in them. 
I'm not interested in the Buffalo Sabres in the least. I think they are probably, um, yeah, they're probably the most boring team I can think of off the top of my head. Like I would still rather watch a wild, a Minnesota wild game or team because I feel like they are trying to do something and they're in our division. So I suppose maybe they're, you know, or normally they're in a division. So I, there's, there's something there. There's a little bit there. And with the Islanders, it's just watching, it's literally just watching hockey, like not a team play hockey. It's just watching the sport of hockey. Yeah. I mean, they are honestly bottom of the barrel to me in terms of teams I care about. I can't even really dislike them. They're just nothing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah, it kind of, it genuinely kind of depresses me thinking about (laughs) them because they're just so dull and irrelevant. And I guess I will stop talking about them now, but um, not uh, probably a playoff team, I guess. I mean, if they don't sign Barzal, they're not, I don't think. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I assume with Boychuk's money, they will get that done and it'll be whatever it is. But, like, it just seems to me like, man, why, why have you not figured out a way to make that happen and just get over yourself and do it? And they haven't. So, tis what it is, I guess. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It's weird how some teams just refuse to uh, help themselves. Uh, speaking of teams that have helped themselves plenty, the New York Rangers won the draft lottery and got to draft Alexi Lafreniere um, after <clears throat> getting bounced in three games by the Hurricanes in the qualifying round, finish seventh in the Metro last year. Remember, they were a team that went 37, 28, and 5, and, you know, had won a bunch more games than any other team, but had to kind of scrap and claw in the qualifying round because of the stupid winner's point. Um, uh, But um, Artemi Panarin should have won MVP there for 95 points in 69 games. Mika Zibanejad is very good, 75 points in 57 games. Ryan Strom has continued to be kind of, you know, borderline top tier player there with 59 points in 70 games. Anthony D'Angelo, not a good defender, but 53 points in 68 games. You can't ignore Henrik Lundqvist, the heart and soul of the team, obviously got bought out. And we know about all his medical issues. Um, we'll talk about that probably a little bit when we talk about Washington as well. But that's a sad story and an unfortunate end to his time there. Jesper Faust went to Carolina. Greg McKegg, greatest name in hockey, went to Boston. Stephen Fogarty uh, is probably going to be sued by the Creedence Clearwater Revival guys. But he went to Buffalo and Michael Haley went to Ottawa. They sent Elias Anderson to the L.A. Kings in exchange for a 60-round, 60th round, a 60th overall draft pick in the 2020 draft. Uh, would think that was a cap clearing move, except they also used cap on Jack Johnson for some reason. Uh, Kevin Rooney, Anthony <laughs> Potato, Keith Kincaid, and Colin Blackwell uh, are also brought in. Ryan Strom, Tony D'Angelo, Alexander Niorgiev, and Brandon Lemieux are also there, as well as picking Alexi Lafreniere. First overall, Lafreniere should be a special player. Obviously, this is already a loaded attack. If Lafreniere and Kako both develop into real stars, that team is going to be a force for years to come. Uh, with that said, some questionable moves there this year. Um, 
Yeah, how do you feel about this team? I feel like this might be a year where the Rangers kind of step back a little bit. Um, at least from the, you know, I'm not saying necessarily they missed the playoffs, but it feels like they sort of hot shot and overperformed last year and um, have kind of underperformed this year. Yeah, as I say, other um, I think than, they might kind of underperform this year, I should say. Yeah, other than adding Lafreniere, which I mean is a big add, but it will be his first uh, taste of the NHL. I do think that this or this division, which really only has two new teams in it, you know, it's pretty much the Metro with Buffalo and Boston added and Carolina and Columbus out. Um, they know what the New York Rangers are now, and the New York Rangers haven't changed that much. We are so, who we thought they were. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to let them off the hook this time. Uh, right. So I think they're in for, if they don't take a step back themselves, like, you know, due to any internal stuff, they're going to take a step back just because teams are going to be better prepared for them. Um, again, though, you still have Artemi Panarin, you still have Mika Zibanejad. Like, you've just got guys that are going to be able to pull this team up. So I'm interested. I think, I think they're in a battle for a playoff spot. I don't know if they're going to make it above a Pittsburgh, a Philly, a Boston, and a Washington, but I think there's a possibility for that. I could see Pittsburgh possibly falling off a little bit or even Philly having a harder time than they thought and the Rangers sneaking in. But I agree that I think maybe um, this realignment didn't work very well for them, whereas like the old Metro, there's some other teams like a Columbus again, uh, a Carolina, that I think they'd match up better against and be able to beat versus adding in your, your Bostons. And uh, even though Buffalo's not overly good, I could still see them, uh, another top-heavy team in Buffalo, uh, giving the Rangers a run for their money. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm interested to see them without Lundqvist. I don't know how many games even played last year for them, but to see them without him at all to lean on, um, just how Gorgiev and, and Shuster can do. Yeah, that's a uh, that's an interesting young pairing. I mean, I think Shosturkin is the real deal in terms of being a, a really legit goalie uh, and a top tier goalie. But at the same time, you know, I think there are fair questions to be asked about going with that all young tier. And I understand why they bought out uh, Lundqvist and you know, kind of I don't know, fortunate and unfortunate now that they didn't because they could have maybe put him on LTIR and you know had him retire as a as a ranger. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, they had no way of knowing, obviously, that he was going to develop a heart condition. And our best wishes are, are with him. As you know, I think he underwent surgery today on that. So yeah, it's just a team that I think is is obviously going to be very good for a very long time. And I'm just kind of curious if they step into very good this year or if it takes them just a little while longer, not very long, but just a bit longer to kind of jump into that next tier and really be a top team to contend with in the East. Uh, and I think once they're there, they will be there for quite a while. The Philadelphia Flyers came, seem to me kind of permanently stuck in that sort of mid-range they had 89 points last year second in the metro first in the round robin beat the canadians but lost to the islanders in seven games in round two meaning that my dear um scott lawton was not able to redeem uh me from uh you know the playoff pool but since there's no preseason i will go without punishment because that is the legal rejoinder as uh it has been explained to me and i will sue otherwise for uh you know for any potential 
uh, misdeeds in that respect. But, you know, we don't need to get litigious here. The Philadelphia Flyers um, are, uh, you know, I think they're going to be fine this year with the same cast essentially that they've always had. A bunch of sort of D-level kind of bodies went out the door, including Chris Stewart to retirement, Nate Thompson, Tyler Pitlick, you know, Derek Grant, guys that don't make a lot of difference, to be honest. Uh, Eric Gustafson came in. I kind of like that signing. He's a good puck mover who they might have gotten kind of undervalued. But they're basically the same team. Um, shut a lot of kind of bodies on the wheel of bodies. Any any real thoughts on the Flyers, or are you pretty much already ready to move on? Yeah, I mean, I've, they were a little bit of a shock of a good team last year because, like you said, they seemed to outperform their – their title of just kind of being like a good, not great team um, last year. They kind of went on a heater towards the end of the season. And I'm just interested to see if that that's the same. It's looking at this other than uh, connect me. It's the same, you know, it's Couturier, it's Voracek, it's Giroux. Um, I guess Hayes is newer over there too. And it just seems like they've got all these same guys. They always perform, but it just not, it's never quite enough. Um, Carter Hart's out there. I think his performance is basically the way this team goes because they're not necessarily the best defensive squad. So it's sort of like if Carter Hart's doing great, then they're doing great. If he's not, then they're not. And I think he's he's proven actually a very good young goalie. Um, but yeah, again, they haven't really added anything um, of major note. They're tied to a lot of the, uh, the uh, line A rumors and everything. And it's funny to think about that because I'm also like, do you really need Patrick Lyonet? Like they seem to have pretty good mm. offensive production anyways. Um, if you, I don't know, maybe they need to shake it up because obviously what they're doing doesn't quite working um, in Philly, but yeah, I, another team that I enjoy watching, but I, and I root for, but I just never see them taking that next big step. I don't know if it's in, in Farabee and in Frost and everybody over there, like that's going to push them a little bit more or, what's going to happen because it does kind of feel like they're running out of time on some of their older guys. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a team, uh, maybe it's because Claude Giroux himself seems kind of milk toasty and without a lot of identity. Mm -hmm. um, but it just seems like a team that used to have this very, very, very clear identity um, and hasn't anymore uh, or doesn't, you know, anymore at the moment. Uh, have really any identity at all and so I yeah I, I think they're going to be fine this year but whether they're really especially good or just kind of the same sort of good team tough to eliminate from the playoffs but will eventually be eliminated and you know will basically be the same team anyway uh, I think that's probably more the way they go if I had to guess mm -hmm. um, the uh, next team on this list are the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are a more interesting team. 86 points last year, third in the Metro. Shocking upset by the Canadians in four games in the qualifying round. Uh, you know the cast and crew there, except Matt Murray is out the door. Connor Fury is out the door. Dominic Simon is out the door. Jack Johnson was bought out. Patrick Marlowe left. Uh, not somebody you think of as you know necessarily <laughs> a lifetime Pittsburgh Penguin by any means, but uh, was a player that they had for a while and left back to San Jose to uh, potentially reach that Bobby uh, Bobby Orr record. So that's or not Bobby Orr, but uh, Gordy Howe record of uh, games played in the NHL, which is fantastic. That's really cool. Evan Rodriguez is in. I know that's a player that uh, Anthony uh, 
loves from uh, Die by the Blade, our friend Anthony Chandra um, from Buffalo. So, you know, hopefully a good depth signing for them, but not going to move the needle a ton. GM Jeremy or Jeremy Rutherford, GM Jim Rutherford didn't feel uh, that he could live with the void of losing Jack Johnson. So he had to make sure to bring in Cody Cece um, <laughs> to uh, make sure that he have one completely uh, subpar NHL defenseman on his squad for whatever reason. Uh, Ian, do you think this is a team that could surprise and miss the playoffs this year? Or do you think they'll find a way to get it done? I mean, I think they can get it done, but then I remember them playing Montreal and the qualifying round and be like, man, this was, how'd you lose to that team? Like Montreal was like spunky, but it was like, how'd you lose? Didn't make any sense. Um, I worry about them a little bit just because like losing Schultz, losing Sheary, losing Dominic Simone, you just, you, you're losing some depth there. And I guess they got, you've got your, your Brian Rusts. You got your Jake Gensels and everything, but I just uh-huh. wonder if they have the depth to get it done. And then it seems like every year they do. It seems like that's the question. And yeah. every year they pull some, you know. Well, they don't have the depth. They have Sidney Crosby and they have him. You know, yeah, feel like true, they're true. They're kind of the perfect example of that team that is perpetually stuck needing a rebuild, but because they have those two guys, they can't, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they always find some dude like Rasmus. No, it's never a foreign guy. It's always like Teddy Rosebridge. And he's yeah. like really good <laughs> on Sidney Crosby's. Sydney Crosby's yeah. Line. He's like, God, that guy gets like a good 35 points on Sidney Crosby's win. They did, they did a trade for, um, what's his name, didn't they? From Toronto, the really fast guy. Kevin oh, yeah, Kevin. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've he got Kampanen in- now. He wasn't in these notes, but that is a nice ad for them. Um, That's true. And he should be that perfect. He is European. So, you know, proving, disproving your point a little bit, but should be that perfect kind of slides into that role and, um, you know, takes over in the, in that mm-hmm. kind of winger for Sidney Crosby. And he could put up a lot of points. And they have Jason was- Zucker too, um, who they got at the trade deadline yeah. last year. So yeah. it's like they, they, I suppose, the more we talk about it, the more they do have the depth and they'll be just yeah. fine. You've but, convinced me that they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they're a threat in the playoffs, really. I think that kind of, unless they do it, unless they do do a season where they, you know, really do kind of bomb and get a nice lucky lottery pick. And, you know, then Sidney Crosby has some young stud to kind of finish out his career with. Um, I feel like the era of Crosby lifting cups may be kind of behind us uh, unless he wants to go elsewhere towards the end of his career to try and claim one last one. But he doesn't really need to because he's a phenomenal hockey player and he's had an incredible career. So I'll be Um, interested to see how Tristan Jari does alone. I don't know who their backup is at this point, but that was a, that was a strange, I mean, I get why they did it. I think it was a bold call, but also a risky call. And if, Matt Murray looks good in Ottawa and Tristan Jari does not look good here. That's going to come back to haunt you real freaking quick. So mm. 
Uh, Washington Capitals, kind of the same boat in every respect. Lost Rag Kogudis, who wasn't really a capital for very long. Braden Holtby also out, was a capital for a very long time. Ilya Kovalchuk, a rental that they lost. Brought in Henrik Lundqvist, we already talked about that. Connor Sheary is there now as well, which is going to feel weird. Trevor Van Riemsdyk is, I have always thought, a nice little, you know, bottom pairing defenseman. Um, I say that so dismissively, like being a bottom <laughs> pairing defenseman in the NHL is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, but um, same, I feel like second verse same as the first a little bit here. It's that it's that same sort of thing where it's like they've got the core and we know what they are. And it's kind of like, do you think they'll be motivated to make it happen this year? The shortened season hurts Ovi's chances of uh, catching Gretzky. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Um, he's still going to be one of the all-time record holders when we're all said and done. I think he may catch Hall this year. I think he's pretty close on that. Um, what do you think about the Capitals? They don't have Lundquist now, which is, um, you know, I don't think it's a major loss of a player. I think, it, you know, with due respect, he was pretty clearly past his prime in that sense. Um, but it is the loss of their backup goalie and a major locker room presence loss. Um, and yet I have a weird feeling that the cat, this might be a year that the Capitals kind of turn it on and are good. I don't know why I feel that way. What do you think about the Capitals? Yeah, it's, they're perpetually a team to me. That's like making the playoffs and at any point in time could make a deep run. It's like, will will they, I don't know, but if they do, I won't be shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like, I do like their, their moves they've made. Henrik Lundqvist is pretty sad that he wasn't that he's got this heart condition and everything and doesn't seem like he'll play at all this year would have been nice to see him play a little bit on that team and have actually a pretty good shot at winning a cup Uh, I do like the Connor Sheary and Justin Schultz signings um they they're I don't know like they're they're probably my favorite to come out of this division I think other than maybe Boston if it comes to like division or who's going to make the whatever or what you call them, Eastern Conference Finals, the yeah. semifinals, because they could be anywhere with seeding. Um, just because as long as you have Ovechkin, you've got Oshie, you've got Backstrom, you've got Kuznetsov, you've got Vrana, who's really young, who's proven he can score. Um, you've got John Carlson. It's just roll, you just roll with that crew, um, and you should be good. And I guess who, wait, who do they have? Their only big difference this year is that they have, um, what's his name, Laviolette as coach. Yeah, so I which guess should that, be interesting. I mean, it can't yeah. be worse than junior high vice principal uh, Todd Reardon. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think they're going to be fine this year. It'll be interesting. You know, that that story is going to be increasingly how many goals does Alex Ovechkin get? And it's kind of up to him whether he really wants to win another cup. And I don't mean to say that it's just his team, although it kind of is. But, you know, it's he's sort of the driving force there. And, um, how long does he want to stay? Does he want to chase the Gretzky? He's at 706. He needs 894 to catch Gretzky. It's becoming harder, uh, but I don't think it's impossible if he wants to play that long. Uh, with two goals this season, he'd catch Gart- Mike Gartner. With 11, he'd catch Phil Esposito. With uh, 25, he'd catch Marcel Dion. With 35, he'd catch Bre- Brett Hall. 
And if he managed to get 50 goals in 56 games, he would tie Yarmir Yager in third place. Uh, obviously, that would be a tall task, but it's Alex Ovechkin, and he's pretty much a god among men, so who knows. Um, but I do think that team revolves around him, and it is basically going to be what does he want the season to look like. They have kind of um, – you know, flared out a little bit, it feels like at the end of the last two seasons, and maybe just maybe it feels like this year, because it's shorter, will be the year that they kind of had the energy to really um, commit in the playoffs and, and kind of pursue uh, another cup. But uh, it'll be, I don't know, it could be anything. It could be anyone's game. Uh, but I, I like the Capitals this year, and I feel like they'll do pretty well with the new head coach and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to this central division that doesn't have the blues. Um, try to move through this fairly quickly, but it is an interesting division here. So don't want to give it short shrift. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes now in the central division as they have always been. Um, the uh, 38, 25 and five last year, 81 points plus 29 goal differential finished fourth in the Metro division creamed the New York Rangers in the qualifying round, but then lost to Boston in the first round four to one. They have Sebastian Ajo, Toivo Teravainen, Andrei Svechnikov, 24 goals last year, kind of his breakout campaign. Dougie Hamilton, obviously insane. And Martin Neches, who was a rookie, uh, was their fifth highest score with 36 points, 16 goals, could have easily hit, you know, 20, 20 goals and, and 45 maybe points in a full season. Um, Anton Forsberg is gone. Justin Williams has supposedly retired again. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk is uh, gone to Washington, as we just discussed. Jesper Faust came in. Joachim Ryan came in. Uh, and then, you know, they had a bunch of RFAs to sign. My question about the Carolina Hurricanes, Ian, is how many years in a row can a team not address their only obvious shortcoming? Because I think the Hurricanes are determined to find out. They are once again entering a season with Peter Morazic and um, what is it, James Reimer, uh, who I believe just had a kid. So congrats mm-hmm. to the Reimer family. Um, but uh, Peter Morazic and James Reimer as their goalies, which is a literally just a fine tandem. And it's just not enough to me to get a team over the hump in the playoffs which is such a shame because that team is otherwise so freaking loaded. And I just don't get why, what are they waiting for? Who are they hoping comes along? Do they think Nettle Jovich, who I know is their young, um, but not that young anymore, um, goaltender? Let's see if he's on this page somewhere. Uh, yeah, he's 24, so he's not young, but do they think he's ready? He's going to take that step and be that guy. I just, I don't know exactly what their plan is in goal. Um, and that does seem to be the one big question mark. But what are your thoughts about the Hurricanes in this new central division? Yeah, it's weird because I would have thought that the Hurricanes would have gone out in this hot goalie market this past, I want to say summer, but whatever, October, and actually gotten somebody. Would have gotten a Braden Holtby. Uh, would have gotten a, a um, whoever's up there in Calgary now, Markstrom. Like, you know, we got somebody. Um, uh-huh. because what, anyone, like you said, anyone at all, Yeah, what they have now is fine, <laughs> but they have a team that's has con- constructed to make a deep playoff run. I mean, we saw them make a deep playoff run two years ago, um, and then got stopped by Boston there, but like in the Eastern conference finals. And so they're capable of it. And I guess maybe that's where they point to 
to Morazic and go see he's capable of it too. But it's like, I think this is where, um, Hey, you can get a goalie way better than 5% of, of Peter Morazic, but this seems to be the thing where it's like, you can go out and do that, go out and get that goalie. Yeah. That's like a great goalie and not just, a okay to good goalie. Um, cause you have the defense, you have the offense and you're right. It just seems like that's the one thing that they don't want to, I don't know. They don't want to spend money on. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I don't, I mean, Tom Dunn is kind of crazy and, and we get that and, um, it is what it is, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. And I, I'm a big believer that, you know, there's, there's very few of the truly elite goalies where it's like, okay, I've got Andre Vasilevsky. I'm good. I'm solid. You know, I'm, I don't have to ask any questions about this position at all for the next 10 years. Those guys are few and far between. I think there are a lot more of the Jordan Bennington's where it's like this guy is red, red hot for a year at the right time and, and he wins a cup. And then there are plenty of the Corey Crawfords where it's like, I don't think this guy's amazing, but he's on a really good team and he's good enough. And I think Peter, Peter Morazic falls just sort of that threshold where it's like he's not, he doesn't have the skills to get red hot for long enough to do the Bennington thing. And he's just not good enough to even reach that. Corey Crawford tier which is not I'm not trying to really slam Corey Crawford but to even get to that tier of like not the strongest part of a good team but just fine enough to to keep the oil running you know that sort of thing Mm -hmm. that's not an expression I don't know what I'm (laughs) saying but um yeah it's just it's so weird to me with that said they still have a genuinely insane tier of young talent that's coming down the pipeline with Natchez who's in his second year Jake being as a defenseman, Ryan Suzuki is there. Dominic Bach is still there. They don't have space for all of them. So maybe they trade one or two of those guys and go out and get a goalie. It's honestly frustrating to me because I really like the Hurricanes and I want to get NHL game center ice or whatever it's called and watch them 24 mm-hmm. seven. But it's almost like they do not quite want to be successful because it's this one, it's the one thing, you know, it's not Ryan Miller, and for as much as crap as we gave him, there was a lot of justification to believing at the time that like the Blues were a goal, a real goalie away from being top contenders. And it's the same here. And I just, I, I don't get it. But with all of that said, in this division, I still think they're going to be kind of the cream of the crop and right out there with the stars and, and the uh, lightning as kind of the best teams in the division. So even with um, Peter Morazic, I think they can handle that and be just fine, but I would like to see them take care of that. The Chicago Blackhawks, I think the question for them, Ian, is how bad can they be? Jonathan Taves uh, with the kind of stunning statement today that he was uh, experiencing some, some serious health questions and, and wouldn't be, um, joining the team at least in training camp you know as much as we have a rivalry and everything with the Blackhawks we obviously wish all the best to Jonathan Taves and and hope that he is doing well uh Kirby Doc as well with the devastating injury in the world junior championship which um I love the world junior championship and it's really unfortunate to see that injury guarantee that for the next decade no one's going to loan their top young players out to their uh, respective teams which the Blackhawks didn't want to do anyway but Doc apparently really petitioned to go play for Team Canada in this year's tournament and uh, you know it's just a tragedy that he um, 
broke his wrist in, in practice and warm-ups, or maybe it was a, a exhibition game. But before the tournament had started, Canada lost their captain. They seemed to be doing just fine. Uh, but Kirby Dock did uh, is not going to play maybe the whole season. So two huge losses for them, probably probably two of their top three or four forwards. Um, four or five forwards, obviously one of their top forwards and captains. This team lost Corey Crawford and lost Brandon Saad and lost Drake Kajula and Slater Kuku, which are barely losses, but they still technically count. They acquired Brad Morrison for Olimata. It was either going to be Brad Morrison or Olimata, and, and it was Brad Morrison. I literally don't know who Brad Morrison is, but which is a sign of how bad Olimata is that you trade him for a guy I've never heard of. Um, and then they got Nikita Zadorov, who is a big, big hit him up guy, a big, a big checky guy, um, but he's not Czech. I think he's Russian. And Anton Lindholm uh, from Colorado in exchange for Brandon Saad and Dennis Gilbert. Brought in Matthias Yanmark, Lucas Walmark. That'll be fun. Thanks for not being in our division with that. And then just recently, Carl Soderberg, which, you know, maybe is kind of a reaction to the Jonathan Taves news internally, getting that extra center. And I think Soderberg is a fine third or fourth center right now. Um, that that goaltending pairing is going to be the worst in the league by a country mile. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not even... Neither of those guys is an everyday NHL goalie. It's it's a blight on the league that they have carried <laughs> that bad. I'm just, honestly, I don't like. I don't know what to say about that other than like, what could possibly make you think that's not even like Steve Mason and whoever bad. I mean, this is the worst, the worst goaltending pairing I can ever remember a team entering the season with and being like, yeah, this is fine. This mm. these are our goalies. You know, I really, I, 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 it baffles me. But anyway, without harping on that too much, do you have any questions about this team except like just how far are they going to fall? I almost don't want it. Like, I, if they're going to suck this bad, at least be in our division so we can sort of enjoy it. But this just feels dirty. Yeah, it's, it does feel kind of sad um, just due to the fact that they were already going to be pretty bad and then missing, missing two key pieces on your team is just going to make it even worse. And I guess if you're a Blackhawks fan, the only thing you can hope for is like that you get to see a lot of your other uh, young players and see what you have in them. And I guess you get to see what you have in your goalie tandem. Uh, you pretty much just get to learn that you have to get a different goalie um, this offseason or mm-hmm. midseason or something. Um, I can't. They, you know, they only made it into the playoffs last year because of the expanded playoffs and the qualifying round. They're not going to make it this year. Um, I honestly like, I don't know, man. I think them and Detroit are gonna be like neck and neck for like just crap in this in this division. I mean, you have the uh you have the Dallas Stars who are a very good team. You have Nashville who's pretty competitive, you have Tampa Bay, the reigning Stanley Cup champions in this division. Like you're just there's no Carolina's very good, you just have no room to be this bad. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have room. It's just there's there's going to be a lot of it's going to be really a have have not um, division, I think. And they're definitely sitting in the have nots. I think I don't know. I, I'm glad that I'm glad that Bowman came out and said they're doing like a rebuild because yeah, I mean, God knows he's going to have to do sake. after this. Yeah, that's I the mean, only armor you've given yourself for this season, really. But that's another thing to me where it's like 
and maybe they really just don't want it but like how do you not trade patrick kane at least that dude is still a stud you know you might not with that contract you might not be able to get a killing for him but there's some team out there the the columbus blue jackets they can give you good pieces for patrick kane and have the cap space to get him like maybe they're just saying no movement means no movement and i'm staying here and i want to retire as a blackhawk but um but uh you know it's I, i'm just kind of sad honestly mm-hmm. uh but yeah, that's uh, that's the Blackhawks. That's uh, where they are. <laughs> uh, and speaking of the Columbus Blue Jackets, alphabetically next, this is a team that I feel like was going to make a, a final move this season, like a final big move, and then they just sort of forgot. I don't know. Um, they are uh, they were 81 points last year, lost to the Lightning in the first round, um, had the best head coach in the National Hockey League. Um, I will believe that fervently until I die. Um, even though there's probably no truth to it. Minus seven goal differential. Uh, lost Ryan Murray, Jacob Lilia, and Marco Dano. They acquired Max Domi for Josh Anderson with a third-round pick. They brought in Miko Koivu? Yeah, right. This team? Okay. Um, they have $9 million in cap space right now um, with Pierre-Luc Dubois unsigned. So that's a, that's a player that they – obviously need to get and get under wraps but you know they have a bunch of money coming off the books next year to 34 million in projected cap space so really healthy long term uh cap wise um Domi is in Anderson's out is that a good thing it's probably not I mean you probably don't have the better player um but you had the healthier player and maybe the hungrier player now that you know Anderson got paid um, and you plus you didn't have to commit to that contract, so it might be a win-win-win for Columbus. I like Anderson a lot, but I'm just not convinced he's worth that money, uh, and I'm not convinced he can stay healthy. Uh, I do honestly feel like um, they – I don't know if they got hammered by the pandemic and just can't spend or whatever, but it feels like I'm really surprised that they didn't do any of the Hoffman or Granlund or – or Howla one-year deals to just add more bodies here because they certainly need it, or several of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I don't think I think uh, Dubois, unless they do a, a full eight-year thing, I don't think it can command you know nine or ten million a season. I don't think it can even if they do do that. So like they would have think thought they'd had the margin to do one or two of those moves, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and what are your thoughts on the Blue Jackets? Blue Jackets are just always overperforming my expectations, um, but only adding Miko Koivu's old bones to this team just doesn't – I just don't think it bodes well for them. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's like, again, a have-not – haves-have-not division, and the haves are your, your Dallas, maybe your Nashville, your Tampa, maybe even – Florida a bit, or maybe there is a weird little middle tier now that I'm thinking about it that they might, they might fit into. Um, and I think they fit better maybe in this division, I'll say, than the, their old division when within the Metro, where I think mm-hmm. they were just always getting hammered by some of those really good teams. I think they could actually skate by in this division and actually make the playoffs with what they have. But yeah, it is one of those things where you look and Pierre-Luc Dubois is only 21, but he's your leading scorer 
have Zach Warinski, but you you just don't have a lot of offense on that team. And you're right, it does seem really odd that they didn't go after a, a Grandland or a Hoffman or somebody like that. Um, mm-hmm. I have a hard time figuring out where the offense is going to come from, but you have a defensive-minded coach like John Tortorella who can seem to make magic happen that's on this team. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, and like, that's the thing too, where it's, I, they do I have enjoy. They do have Nyquist who won a triple crown or a Yeah. I mean, the dude, the dude's a literal horse. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> only, only John Tortorella can coach a literal horse on ice. Yeah, that's right. He's, and according he's, to John Torello, he's that guy's better than Anthony Duclair at hockey. Well, so. there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think they will be fine in this division, probably be a playoff team. This division kind of sucks, uh, especially since I'm not that sold on Dallas. Yeah, the more I talk about it, I'm trying to talk it into like a perception that it really isn't because it is sort of uh, you have Tampa Bay and then you yeah, kind of have everybody the else. Have-nots are really the haves, the kind of haves and the have-nots. Yeah. There's, only <laughs> one, there's only one have. Um, and the haves are not even involved. Uh, yeah, I'm really <laughs> upset, by the way, that Detroit and Columbus finally came back to the Central and we didn't get uh, either of them in our team. Uh, and, you know, we left the division. Uh, Dallas, same story as ever with Dallas. I'm not convinced they're actually good. I'm really not. Roman Polak went to Europe. Corey Perry went to Montreal, which is basically Europe. Matthias Yanmark is from Europe originally, I assume. And Martin Hansel went to Europe as well. Uh, they re-signed Anton Gudovin after his playoff heroics. Mark Pissick is a UFA who came in. They uh, re-upped um, Rupi Hentz and Radek Foxa. And our old friend Julius Honka Honka is back from Europe, which is exciting. A lot of Europe uh, won both ways. Europe mm-hmm. going in, Europe coming out. You got a lot of Euro fever in this uh, <laughs> Dallas team. Ian, just answer the question. Are the Stars good? They must be. I know objectively that they are. They were in the Stanley Cup final. Also, why do I think that they aren't? Uh, the, I don't know. It's the... They are a very good team. To me, they must be what the Blues are to people prior to us winning the Cup. <laughs> I mean, really, I look at them and go, this is, a, this is a good team. That's a good team. And But if you're like, are they going to win the Cup? I'm like, not in a million years. <laughs> like, they just don't feel like they yeah. have the, God, the truculence, if you will. They don't have, like, the grit. They don't have the that one missing piece. And maybe they thought that was uh, – Corey Perry and, or to a lesser extent, Corey Perry and um, the most underrated puck deflector of all time uh, in Little Joe. What's his last name? Oh, um, Joe Pavelski. I literally want to call him Little Joe Thornton. <laughs> um, Flash Joe you know, from uh, Punch Out. Yeah, but it doesn't seem <laughs> doesn't seem to be the case. And again, it's you've got you got Radulov, you got Sagan, you got Ben. Uh, you've got Yoel Kiviranta now. You've got Rupe Hints. You've got these guys that are good players, but they just don't seem to be able to get over the hump. Who's their coach these days? I couldn't even tell oh, you. Old, oh, old man. Uh, yeah. Rick Bonus. <laughs> that, I, I think they're going to be worse because I think that was Rick Bonus magic. Oh, yeah. That's not going to, oh. and I don't think he's like Hitch where like he's ways on these guys. No. 
But I just think he's not gonna. It's not gonna. He's not gonna have the magic because they got him to be a coach, and now he's there, and it's like, all right, you're here. Congratulations. Ching. Yeah, I. Lamborghini. Yeah, just a team that. I guess they have a ton of players that, like, I would think, like, yeah, I'd add Drew Bayhens to the Blues. Yeah, I'd add Dennis Gurionov to the Blues. Yeah, I'd add Reddick Fox to the Blues, et cetera. But, like, don't have a ton of identity, don't really get it, and I don't feel like they have a big youth movement coming in. I love Miro Haskin, and I've been not shy about my love affair for that strange finish, man. But beyond that, I just don't. I'm just not convinced that they're that good. I really am not. And I just, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I will be proved wrong yet again. Obviously, I'm just wrong. I mean, I know that I must just be wrong because they are good and they've got some good young, potentially great, um, you know, pro, you know, young players that could come up like Jason Robertson and Ty Delandria and Thomas Harley. But uh, anyway, Detroit Red Wings, I don't even want to spend much time here. Dylan Larkin. Uh, is is he officially the captain now, or are we just assuming that he's going to be the captain? I'm gonna, I don't know if he's official, but I'll assume so. Yeah, they brought in Bobby Ryan, uh, Jonathan Erickson, and Jimmy Howard were both so bad that they left the Red Wings, but have not been signed by anyone else. The uh, John Merrill, Thomas Grice came in. You know, Thomas Grice is a nice at pickup for their uh, goalie Troy Stetcher and Vladislav Nemesnikov came in. I mean, nice pickups Four four really nice guys that add something. Uh, Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi real re-signed. I, I feel like Iserman kind of was like, well, we got screwed out of the Lafreniere draft. And so now I'm just going to actually start building this team with what we have, you know, cause this draft coming up kind of sucks as far as I can tell two years mm-hmm. from now is supposed to be really, really good again. And I think that, top pick is Shane Prince maybe is his name but um uh but and he's supposed to be you know maybe that next kind of really special tier first overall player um but uh it's not Shane Prince I lied about that uh (laughs) but it's somebody um and uh you know maybe they're trying to hold out till that but it seems like they uh they are trying to be a little less just totally embarrassing this year, but I just, I still don't think they're going to be relevant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, they, they will have small improvements as usual, but I just, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. They're on the, they're on the upswing now. I feel Shane, like Shane Wright. I just wanted to circle back and absolutely boring. I care less. Matthew Savoy and Brad Lambert are the three-headed monster of that draft. Man, that's incredible. This feels absolutely beautiful. Shane Wright got that exceptional status, though, baby. Oh, yeah? Oh, he's exceptional. But I heard that this draft sucks. Joe Valeno also got exceptional status, and he's never going to make a dent on this freaking uh, <laughs> Red Wings team. And I told you, this isn't this draft. It's two years from now. That was my whole point. Oh man, this yeah, I this team's on the upswing, but there's still a lot of work to do. I'll, like, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how you know a draft sucks. At the last World Junior Championship, a, uh, a guy named Aku or Atu, they're two, they're two brothers, and they have those names, and so I don't know which one of which. But <laughs> Ratty is his last name, R A T Y. He's Finnish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were talked about like he's probably the number one pick. 
I remember 2020. that. And I looked this year and it's like, he's probably like eighth overall, which is fine. Like I get that a guy can have a bad year, but also like that, you know, Connor McDavid, there was not a lot of question like two or three years out from his draft that he was going to be the number one pick. So if your number one can move that much, it probably tells me that you don't have really clearly defined tiers at that top level. But we've gotten off course. The Detroit Red Wings are terrible. Do you have any thoughts beyond that? No. I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm glad they're terrible. I'll say that. Sometimes <laughs> I feel sad, but I'm glad they are because they Enjoy gave us so much stuff. pain. So yeah. good. I mean, they've got great young players. You know, Moritz Sider is going to be good. Is Lucas Raymond going to be on the team this year? He certainly could be. I mean, it's not like they can field 12 forwards better than him. It's just a matter of how they want to develop him. Joe, Joe Valeno, the aforementioned uh, exceptional Joe Valeno and Philip Zadina. Um, if he was a pro wrestler, he'd have to come out as exceptional Joe Valeno and be in a total heel, but he's not. <laughs> so, uh, Philip Zadina also, you know, you got to question when they're going to make the impact. But when Corey Promen has them ranked as the 18th organization in his under 25 or under 23 or whatever they are rankings, that's just devastating for a team that's been bad as long as they have. So uh, moving on. Florida Panthers last season, 78 points, uh, fourth in the Atlantic, lost to the Islanders in the qualifying round. Dadanoff, Howla, Hoffman, Pissick, Walmart, and Juice out. Uh, Marcus Nudivara in, Radko Gudis, Vinny Henestrosa, Alexander Winberg, Carter Verhege, Anthony Duclair, and Scott Wilson in. Uh, which is uh, an interesting group of, I didn't realize they had done that much this year. Maybe old big Zazzy Billy Zito, as everybody calls him, uh, has uh, really got an eye for what uh, he wants to change about this team. Obviously that sounds like they've added a lot of, uh, a lot of grit and a lot of depth. Um, I'm interested. I'm interested. If Sergei Bobrovsky decides to show up this team, I feel like could be relevant in this division. And if he doesn't, they're just, kind of interminably screwed. So I feel like Sergei Bobrovsky is the whole story about the Florida Panthers right now. Other than that, Joel Quinville will get to coach eight games against the Blackhawks this year, which could be fun. But uh, thoughts on uh, the Florida Panthers, if you have any. Yeah, I think with Bobrovsky, we talked about maybe an episode or two ago, like they brought in, uh, like, I can't remember that guy's name, French, famous French goalie uh, instructor, or French Canadian oh, yeah, goalie yeah, instructor. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. And, the, and they've done a lot of front office shuffling. And from what I've seen on Twitter from people that know more about these front office people than I do, it looks really Chris, good. It's not Chris Vaughn, I'm just kidding. No. Um, that's a totally different guy. <laughs> well, might uh, as well be. But yeah, it seems like they're they're trying to rebuild this team in the front office, but also rebuilding them on the ice. Um, they did lose a lot of offense from Hoffman and Dadnov leaving. Um, I don't think they make it up with like Vinny Hinnestroza and Anthony Duclair and Alexander Wenberg, but that's, those are Allaire. Oh yeah, yeah, there you go. Supposed to be in the Hall of Fame as the first goalie coach in the yeah. NHL Hall of Fame. We'll see. Um, but they're a little thinner. They have bodies. They they didn't really move the needle for me at all. I think they you're right. They are corporeal. They are corporeal. They are <laughs> they are living. Um, yeah, they didn't really move the needle that much for me. I guess as long as Bobrovsky plays well, like you said, then I think they they have a shot at the playoffs. If he doesn't, 
Um, I don't think you can really just hold on to Barkov and Huberdo and hope that they're yeah. not, they're good, but they're not uh, Evgeny Malkin, I, I Crosby Bar- good. I love Barkov. I love him purely, but if, if they don't, you got to get something and rebuild because that whole team is, I mean, if, if Bobrovsky is toast, that whole team is toast until that contract's up, which then just please move them, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I do think with all of that said, if Bobrovsky's good, I think that team will be tough. I think they'll be an interesting team this year, but it, it does kind of all hinge on him. The Nashville Predators, boy, that window slammed shut quick. <laughs> I uh, am still kind of shocked at how much the Nashville Predators don't feel to, like me, like a contender to me uh, anymore. They finished fifth in the Central. They lost to the Coyotes 3-1 to one in the qualifying round, 78 points last year. Top scorer was Roman Yossi, a very good player, but shouldn't be your top scorer even with 65 points in 69 games. Philip Forsberg at 69, nice games philip forsberg a shell of his former self at 25 uh 45 48 points in 63 games is fine but you know i remember really thinking philip forsberg was just going to tear up our division for a decade and he just has never been as good as he looked like he was going to be matt duchene unsurprisingly already a disappointment in nashville ryan ellis ryan johansson still there craig smith left dan hamus retired frederick goudreau Less this less impressive Goodrow, but at least I won't have to be confused each time I hear his name. Uh, Colin Blackwell and Daniel Carr left. They did get Luke Coonan the St. Louis in, um, and a 2020 101st round 101st draft pick. I did it again from Minnesota Wild in exchange for Nick Bonino, which was mostly a cal- salary dump. Uh, Mark Boyevietsky came in to be a, a grinder. Nick Cousins, Matt Benning. Brad Richardson, Eric Halla, and Mikhail Granlin. They re-signed both of those guys, or they signed both of those guys here in the last week or so. Um, seems like they added a lot of grit, but I, I never felt like that's what they were really lacking. I just don't think this team is all that good. I mean, they're like a third-tier team at best to me, where it's like they're going to be fine. They're probably going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to make any noise once they get there. Hmm. It- yeah, this is like a this to me is just like the most B minus team where it's like yeah. on paper looks totally fine, looks yeah. looks pretty darn good, and like you said, it's pretty much all underwhelming aside from Roman Yossi. Matthew Shane's okay, Philip Forsberg's okay, Ryan Ellis is I guess underrated, but now I think is overrated because from how long he was underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Johansson never quite felt to me like a first line center and I guess Nashville said we agree and got me to shame. <laughs> um yeah, yeah it's so their quite a first line <laughs> their window was there and then it was not and then it just was not <laughs> yeah yeah I agree I thought I was like boy oh boy I'm not looking forward to Nashville being the dominant team in this league or in this division and then all of a sudden they're like don't oh, worry about it <laughs> good it like out. I was really worried for a while and I think I think we had every right to be given the results of past postseasons, but I was really worried they were winning a cup before we were like, cause oh, we yeah. were in the Western conference final, then they were, then they were in the final. Then I was uh-huh. like, oh boy, no, 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 no. I was afraid our window shut. So, you know, maybe theirs hasn't, but I feel like they, I don't know. They're, they're in need of a retooling. They, to me, feel a lot like Calgary, who we'll talk about like next episode where it's like, this team is fine. 
but how much longer can you be fine? Um, yeah. And I guess you could look at the blues for as much as I say this, you could look at the blues that were fine and then somehow over the hump all of a sudden then win. Um, but again, they retooled enough that they got, you know, Ryan O'Reilly mm-hmm. and David Brown came back and they got Tyler. They did some things to turn the tides a little bit there. I don't think um, bringing Granlin back in Halla, Nick Cousins, all that stuff is, uh, is that. And I think what they need is a, a Ryan O'Reilly trade or something. I mean, I guess they've tried that. They've tried the run with Ryan Johansson. They've tried with Matt Duchesne, but I think they need to do it again. Because <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can't, I look at this team and I go, they need to rebuild, but they can't rebuild. They're a fine team. They shouldn't just yeah. like shoot themselves in the foot, but it's like, well, then what do you do? I think you have to keep swinging for the fences um, if you're their GM, I guess and see like what you can do. I really thought they were going to be the Taylor Hall destination. I thought that was going to be them going, okay, we got it. We got to do it. We need something. And I'm surprised that they weren't, I mean, maybe they were trying and they were just Buffalo outbidded them of all, of all teams, but they're missing a piece. Yeah. When I look at this team, they're missing a piece and I don't know what it is. Yeah, and I think they made a big gamble on UC Saros being a Pecorino replacement, and then he hasn't been. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they went and got Yaroslav Askarov in the draft, and I think he's going to be sensational, although he hasn't been great at the uh, junior. Um, but, you know, even if they really rush him, he's still probably two or three years away. And by that point, their whole core is going to be aged out of their prime, you know? So it's like, it just feels like, they're kind of stuck in a rut. And like you said, they need a major move and I just don't know what it is or what it would be. So um, not sad about it, not crying over it. It's get, get bit Nashville, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, and then finally the Tampa Bay lightning 92 points last year, obviously won the Stanley cup after finishing second in the Atlantic, you know, about Nikita Kucherov, you know, about Steven Stamkos, Braden point. Maybe you've never heard of just kidding. You know, about him too. Uh, Victor Hedman. Um, was their four score. You know, they lost fringe guys like Bogosian, Shattenkirk, Wedgwood, um, Verhage, Corey Conacher was apparently still there. They um, managed to re-sign all their uh, RFAs because, uh, um, you know, because the devil. Uh, (laughs) But um, I made the trade this week uh, for – um, Anders Nilsson and Marion Gaverick from the Ottawa Senators. Marion Gaverick, who has not played in three years now, um, and uh, they got they gave up Cedric Paquette, Braden Coburn, and a 2022 second round pick. This this trade, this and only this trade, is the argument for why there shouldn't be a cap in the NHL. I'm a big believer in the salary cap. I'm fine with it. I think it makes things interesting, and I think in a league where you've got Florida's and you've got Toronto's, you can't really not level the spending playing field in some significant way. But this trade where the the senators get a, a good young player, a fine defenseman and a, a solid pick to give up two players who probably are never going to play in the NHL again. One of which never played for them at all uh, in order to make the lightning get non-existent money but somehow more money because of the non-existent money that they get they somehow have 
more salary cap space than they would otherwise have had. Um, it's just very odd to me. I don't, I don't really understand the implications that I don't like it. It makes me feel gross. Um, any thoughts on that trade or understanding of how it works or anything like that that you really want to dig into? No, it's just, I mean, it's just so confusing to me. I don't know. I guess you can't account for like every state's tax laws uh-huh. and constantly be changing your your salary cap rules to, to bend around those so everyone has like an even shake of it. But yeah, it does kind of seem like if you're in Florida or what are some of the other states? The weird thing is Florida has this, but doesn't Texas, Texas has- have like... But people yeah. aren't like complaining about but Dallas. Texas isn't as sexy and coastal, I think, is the difference. Oh, uh, yeah. Like Tampa, yeah. Tampa seems to be the team that gets focused on the most. And I suppose that's because they're good and people in that division um, or out east want to see them fall apart at some point due to cap problems. Like, you know, Chicago kind of had to after cup wins and things like that. And it's like, nope, they can just keep signing everybody. And like, it's, I. Nevada also doesn't have a state tax, which could explain why Vegas is so popular. Sons of bitches. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> um, it only annoys me in the sense that every year, I guess maybe not anytime soon for Tampa, I don't really know who they have left coming up uh, to sign. But like, it seems like every year there's like, I don't know how they're going to get it done. And I'm like, can you not talk like done? Let's skip that. Yeah, let's skip it. Because they're like, they're going to have to get one of these guys. They said that like a month ago. They're like, one of these guys is going. And I remember being like, that's not remotely true. Yeah. Not even close. Um, Cedric Paquette's a fine player. But when you're looking at Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev, who they get to keep, it's not. Not yeah, I'm like, you know, that's not worth, yeah, exactly. That's not what we're talking about. We're like, oh, they got to get rid of somebody, and we're like, oh, yeah. they got rid of Cernak. I'm like, oh no, like, <laughs> and but I will, yeah. I will give them credit though, where people are complaining about um Kucherov going on LTIR and they're like, they're circumventing the cap again, and I'm like, okay, they want Nikita Kucherov, <laughs> yeah, like if. We're, we might be circumventing the cap of like we put Steen on LTIR and he's just kind of like a little bit of a bum knee or something uh-huh. uh, or like a couple bruises and we're like, yo, bro, get out of here so we can get Mike Hoffman. <laughs> I get that a little bit, but it's like they want Nikita Kucherov. Yeah, Dude's 26, not, has 85 points. I, yeah, they're not burying that guy for funsies. And it's their window. I mean, it's their window where like there's they want to win another cup and um, kind of moving on to that point, I think they – most certainly could. I mean, they kept yeah. pretty much everybody uh, for the same reason you would argue that the Blues could have won a cup last year because they kept everyone more or less. It's like it, they, Tampa kept even more people. I mean, honestly, what? They lost literally Puckett and Bogosian. And, and Bogosian, like, that's fine. That's and Shattenkirk, totally, I guess. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. They, they are in a Division two where I think they're just going to run away with it and they'll be, Oh yeah. They'll be like I think the only, 15 points. The only argument can make that's that the division is so soft that it's not going to prepare them the way some yeah. of the rest of them will, but I don't think that's it. I mean, they're the odds on favorites. They're the runaway favorites for me. If I had to pick a Stanley cup champion, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not yeah. saying I am picking them, but if I'm just saying who's the most likely it's yeah. them and it's not particularly close. Um, you know, I think they kind of proved that they can do it last year. And, and now that question is answered. And if they want to do it again, I don't know who's going to stop them, really, you know? Yeah. So, 
And that's the thing. If your first two teams you have to play are in your own division, uh, they're most certainly going to make it to the semis, you know, to the yeah. third round. And so I don't see, and like you said, maybe from there, they, they end up being a little flat footed because then they have to play a, a Vegas or somebody who's a lot tougher. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, that's, they're just like one of, if not the strongest team in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Eastern and central conference. Um, that's it. That's uh, what we've got for this week. Unless you have more to talk about again. We've been talking no, I mean, quite a while I'm, here. I'm interested. These I'm interested in these two conferences um, or these two divisions, but I'm more interested in the next two, obviously our own yeah. uh, that we're in the West, but most certainly the or the North division, the Canadian division. Um, Cause that's going to be bonkers. I think that is going to, other than watching blues games, most of my time, this season will be eaten up by watching like Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver and all these teams just like beat the tar out of each other. Mm. Um, and then none of them even make it, you know, close. I mean, obviously one of them will make it to the conference finals, but uh, watching them just like you said, get dirt roaded by a Tampa or whatever, that'll be their cup. It'll be sad to think that that will be their <laughs> cup, but that will be their cup. Yeah. I'm trying not to sneeze. Okay. Can't do it. Um, Demons be gone. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. I'm excited. Uh, so we'll cover those two divisions next week, and then the week after that, we'll have real honest to god hockey to talk about. So well, I'm excited. It's here. It's almost here. Uh, so thanks for listening to this episode. It's out a little early this week, uh, but it's long, so you can you can milk it. We'll, we'll talk about the uh, next two divisions next week. Happy New Year to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, enjoy your uh, your day hopefully you get the day off and get to enjoy it uh and you know it's gotta suck less than this year every year people say well next year is gonna suck yet less and i'm like it might not but <laughs> this year i feel like you can say that with some confidence so um you know uh yeah happy 2021 everybody and we'll talk to you real soon yeah have a happy new year got a feeling 21 is gonna be a good year Especially if you and me sit in together So you think 21 is gonna be a good year Could be good for me and her, but you and her, no, never I had no reason